I moved here about 10 years ago. We married. Um, I was from, I'm originally from Honolulu. I was, I was in a really, um, I want to say suffering and abusive relationship with my ex-husband. So many years, <clears throat> I felt alone and I didn't really have a relationship with the Lord at that time. It was very difficult for me to really, you know, um, believe in myself or to even think like if you were to, if you were to tell me years ago that I would have this business today um, or if I would be selling clothes today or designing clothes today, I would think that you're crazy. If you were to tell me years ago that my clothing would be in stores and uh, people would be standing in line to buy you know, our dresses, I wouldn't even believe you because that wasn't even like a dream for me. You know, it was a very an alone time for me for many years. And it wasn't until we started to go to church. Got divorced and I got remarried and uh, found myself at New Hope Hilo. It's a different culture here. Things are different from Honolulu and I didn't have any family here, any friends. And um, so even here, after I moved here, it was where I wanted to leave. I wanted to get divorced and just go back to Oahu. But my husband just kept encouraging me to keep going to church. And he actually encouraged me to join the dance ministry. He planted the seed. And at first I didn't want to go, you know, because I didn't know anybody and I'm shy. But um, I eventually went, and I tell you that first, that first night at dance ministry, it just changed my life. I was, it, people don't even realize how special this ministry is. But after leaving there for like the first time, I heard, I heard one of the girls say, don't worry sister we're gonna take good care of you and it was just that loving and support I just got that first night you know and where I thought that my life was just um, empty and alone and I didn't have anyone and it was just that night where I felt so loved and um, I knew the Lord had just brought me to that church and He surrounded me with so much amazing women. I believe that God um, gave me this dream. He planted this dream in me to extend um, the whole of fellowship. <laughs> Thank you. It's okay. I would just tell people that, you know, to never give up. You keep trusting in the Lord and He will direct you. He will put dreams in your heart and He will uh, provide a plan for you. But you can't never give up, you know, no matter what. And um, you may not be able to see, you know, in the near future. You don't know the plans that He has for you, but it's there. You just have to keep trusting in Him and He will guide you all the way.
Oh, can we say thank you to Regina Miller for sharing her story? And, you know, when, when people share their dreams and, and, and or we see people accomplishing certain things, we don't know the backstory. You know, we don't know the struggles that we go through and, and, and what has brought us to the place that we are today. And it takes a, what we call a testimony for us to understand that when God is included in our lives, all things are possible. There are things that we go through that you and I will go through that God is not included in. And because of that, then we feel like we don't have worth. And we don't feel like we're able to accomplish certain things. And because we're in this series called Dream, I want you to understand that there's a dream that God has put in every single person's heart. Every single person has a dream. Yesterday, we were at one of the uh, craft fair areas and just seeing how many people have created uh, creations. You know, they'll create certain things. And, you know, this is kind of the ending to our Merry Monarch that was here. And, boy, the, 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 the buzz that is in the air when Merry Monarch is here and, and so many people visiting, all the aunties and uncles come out and, and your aloha spirit is heightened. Uh, here, you will hear people talking story and, and people visiting. But this one vendor that I was talking with, she was so, uh, like, Miss Aloha. Like real, not the contestant that won, by the way. You know, congratulations to all our dancers and, and those who participated. But she was just so with that Aloha spirit. You know, when, when people would pass by her, her booth with all of her crafts, she would say, Aloha, come inside, come inside. I'm thinking, come inside? Where, where are you going? It's not one house. You know, come inside, come inside. Look around, look around. Yeah, make yourself at home. No, no, don't worry about your kids. Don't worry. Don't worry. No, look around, look around. What you need, what you need, what you're looking for. Well, you're just looking, just stopping. Oh, so where are you from? I mean, continuously. And then a, a little lady would come in, and then she would say, oh, I'm looking at this shirt. I want to check it out. She goes, oh, I have a full-size mirror right outside that you can go check out. How's your cake? Oh, look at your kids. So beautiful, yeah? Oh, so cute. Yeah, go just go check out the mirror. Don't worry, I'll watch your kids. Don't worry. No need to take your baby. Give me your baby. And she takes the, the stroller from her and the lady's like oh okay and I'm watching this and I thought only in Hawaii we can say no worry I'll watch a baby for you and be okay with it now some of us are probably saying no please take my kids but she was so aloha with this lady and so I asked her I said you know what what causes you to be that uh, joyful what, what is it in you she said well I had this dream and ever since we were young, we did what we could with what we had. And so I want to share that with the rest of the world. I want to share my gifts with the rest of the world. And I thought, wow, this person understands a dream. That the dreams that we have is not just for us. It's for the rest of the world. Now, when we talk about bold dreams or dreaming bold dreams, the reason why we say let's dream bold dreams is because if you just have a dream... You can accomplish it without God. You can. But a bold dream means that you need God to accomplish this dream. Now, when we talk about dreams and the Bible, there is a character that stands out. There are many characters in the Bible that have dreams, but this one character stands out, and you might know who I'm talking about. His name is Joseph. And he's found in the Old Testament and Joseph was a man who had these, these, I mean, talk about bold dreams. It was almost unreachable, the dreams that he was thinking about. Now, we pick up in Egypt where Joseph is uh, now in this 
prominent position. He's at a high place. But there are things that took place before that has happened. But we pick up in Egypt before the Israelites, you know, God's chosen people, before they were slaves. This is when Abraham has children and now these are his descendants. And the Israelites have not yet experienced slavery. So we're here where Joseph is, and Joseph has these dreams. And I thought, what are dreams anyway? What, what are they for? Are, are they to, so that we make a lot of money? Are our dreams there so that it can boost our ego? Do we have dreams so that we can say, look at me, and have this kind of like a self-fulfillment satisfaction? What are dreams for? Why do we have them? Now, this man, Joseph, he's going to teach us a couple of things. But one thing that Joseph encountered that he wasn't really prepared for was this thing called famine. There was a famine that was happening in the land. And this man, Joseph, had a plan to save not just the Egyptians through this famine, but for the surrounding nations. And so Joseph comes to Pharaoh and he says, well, uh, I, I think we can, we, we can do something uh, with this famine that's coming up and not only save the Egyptians or the surrounding nations, but Joseph was able to save his own family. And so he goes to the king, he goes to Pharaoh and he tells Pharaoh his plan. And so Pharaoh says to Joseph, in fact, if you have your notes, you can take that out from your bulletin. And he says this, Pharaoh says this to Joseph. Inasmuch as God has shown you all this, there is no one as discerning and wise as you. And so Pharaoh says to Joseph, you shall be over my house and all my people shall be ruled according to your word. Only in regard to the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, see, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. So now Joseph comes with this plan. He says, hey, Pharaoh, here, here's what needs to be done. And Pharaoh says, what am I going to do? And Joseph says, well, here's some things. You've got to find the right person to oversee this. You've got to do this. You've got to do this. And Pharaoh says, you're the man. And so Joseph becomes second in command. And I thought, wow, what a success. What a story. What a dream to come true. Second in command in all of the land of Egypt. What a powerful position. And then I thought, wait, wait a minute. How did Joseph get there? I mean, he... Does he just show up on the scene and say, hey, Pharaoh, here's some things that you need to know. And Pharaoh says, okay, you're the guy. What was, what was it about Joseph that brought him to that position? What, what was it that Joseph always dreamed about? How did he achieve his dreams? Now, we're going to learn four key things from Joseph when it comes to dreams. And here's the first thing that we can learn, that we're going to have to persevere through breaking points. Joseph had to do that. Oh, what's a breaking point? A breaking point is not snapping at somebody else. Like, you know, I just lose it, and then you snap at someone. Or road rage, and you just lose it. It's a breaking point. No, that's called insane. That's called a nervous breakdown. A breaking point can be considered or thought of as a point in your life where something unexpected comes your way that breaks you. Or God brings something your way to break you. But nonetheless, it has to do something with breaking you. You might be thinking, well, why would God break me? Why would he do that? God doesn't break us to leave us. 
He breaks us to strengthen us. He wants us to become better. That's why we must persevere through breaking points. And God did this with Joseph. There are many breaking points in life, pressure or pain or setbacks. But the kind of breaking that God does, it's kind of like a shepherd to the sheep or the little lamb. When, when the shepherd sees the lamb continuously straying away, knowing that that lamb is now in danger from predators, uh, in danger of predators, the shepherd will nudge the lamb closer and closer. But if that lamb continues to stray, what the shepherd will do in his loving kindness, he'll take the lamb, break its front leg, and then heal it up. Put a little uh, cast on it or a, a stick, wrap it up, and the lamb is like, what are you doing to me? What are you, bad teacher? What are you doing? And so he'll wrap, I know that was horrible, but uh, he just wrapped it up. Hey, I did that on the fly. But he wraps it up. And then he takes the lamb, but he carries the lamb until the lamb is healed. But then when he lets the lamb down, guess where the lamb stays? He stays right near the shepherd. And then the lamb understands, wait a minute, my master, my shepherd, did that for my good. Because the shepherd knows the pain that you just went through nowhere compares to the pain you would have gotten through or you would have gotten if a predator got you and you'd be dead but you're able to heal because i see from beginning to end the shepherd can see what needs to be done and that's just like god he breaks us not so that we stay there but so that he can heal us and guess guess what we do we stay close to him why because he carried us through See, we've got to be able to persevere through those breaking points. Now, Joseph is in this high place. And I thought, well, surely he didn't experience a breaking point, did he? I mean, he's in this high position. He, he, must, have, he must, have, must have done something great. But look at what his brothers say. In fact, if you ever want to know something about someone, ask their family members. I mean, when my mom visits, she tells all my friends the stories of me growing up. It just happens. Family does that. They know what's, what, what happened in your past. So now Joseph's brothers speak about him. So they said this to one another. Look, this dreamer is coming. So they saw him as a dreamer. Come, therefore, let us now kill him and cast him into some pit. And we shall say, some wild beast has devoured him. We shall see what will become of his dreams. Then they took him and cast him into a pit and the pit was empty. There was no water in it. Isn't it interesting that the people that probably will hurt us the most or affect us the most are our own family members? Like our coworker can say hurtful things, and an acquaintance can say things or do things, a friend can say something or do something. But when it's a family member, oh, it changes the game, doesn't it? It changes the relationship and it changes the way we think about other people. It even changes our dreams what our family thinks. Because if they, if they say negative things, oh, it pulls us down. Sometimes we use that for fuel. Then we say, oh, I want revenge. I'm going to prove them wrong. I'm going to show them that I can. And so we use that as fuel. God says that's not the right fuel system. That's not the right strategy. 
well, what am I supposed to do then? I don't have any support. I don't have support from my, my spouse. I don't have support from my children, my parents, my family members. What am I supposed to do? I have bold dreams, but what am I supposed to do? I have bold dreams about going back to school or, or putting my children through college or, or working again. Or, or I want that uh, higher position. I want to do greater things for God, but I don't have any support. What am I supposed to do? But you have bold dreams and maybe God is saying, I want to do something in your life. Maybe it's your marriage or restoration or something, or something like that. And you're wondering, but I don't know how to do that. What am I supposed to do? And you're at a breaking point. Joseph persevered through that. But he didn't just persevere through it because, well, well I have a dream, so I'm going to persevere through it. His brothers threw him in the pit. And they said, let's kill him. And then let's see what what happens with his dreams. In other words, people will try to kill your dreams. As you're trying to build your dreams, there are people trying to end your dreams and demolish your dreams. But his brothers throw him in the pit and then they think, wait a minute, we can make some money off of this guy. Why don't we sell him into slavery? So they did. They sold him into slavery and now Joseph finds himself in the middle of Egypt at a house by, the man, uh, by a man whose name is Potiphar. So Potiphar puts Joseph in command of his household. And he says to Joseph, you're going to take care of my house. Now Joseph is a slave in that house. Joseph, in day in and day out, has some, has some various obstacles. The major one is Potiphar's wife. Potiphar's wife comes on to Joseph. Because Joseph was a handsome man. So, so Potiphar's wife comes on to Joseph and says, Joseph, come sleep with me. And Joseph says, hang on, hang on. Your husband gave me rule over the entire house except rule over you. So no, not going to have anything to do with that. So Joseph leaves. But day after day, she continues, continues to give pressure to him, entice him, seduce him, cook him nice fancy dinner and put hearts on top of the, and make him very nice and try to entice him and seduce him. And finally, one day, she just can't take it. She's just so aggressive. And then she, she grabs him by his cloak and says, Joseph, come sleep with me. And Joseph says, no. And he runs out of there. But she's so aggressive. What kind of woman is this? Rips off his shirt. Talk about drama, reality TV. She rips off his shirt. And he runs out of there. And so she's so upset, so hurt, and, and, and probably humiliated that she calls upon the guards and, they, and she says, Joseph was trying to have his way with me. And so they, and she says, look, here's his clothes that he left behind. So they tell Potiphar. And so Potiphar is angry with Joseph and throws Joseph in prison. Joseph is now in prison Talk about a breaking point. And Joseph, and, and Joseph, now being in prison, he had some choices to make. Let's look at what the Bible says in Genesis 39, 20, and 21. Then Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in the prison. But the Lord was with him. We can't forget that. Because many of us may feel like, well, I'm in prison. I, I have some setbacks. I'm dealing with this. But is the Lord with you? Are you with the Lord? Because even though you may be in the prison, 
if the Lord is with you, then you're going to be shown great mercy. Because the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy. And he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And even in prison, the Lord was with Joseph. Now, Joseph ended up in prison not because he did something wrong. He did something right. Have you ever been accused falsely? Or have you ever done something that was right and it ended up wrong? It didn't end up the way you wanted it to. You did everything right. You serve God. You love him. You do everything possible. And then it doesn't turn out your way. You don't get the job. You don't get the raise. Uh, your, your child doesn't get the part in the play or doesn't get accepted or doesn't uh, have the best friends. Or, or maybe you're saying, oh, boy, I, I do everything that I can for God, but he doesn't show up here, 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 and here. And I thought, wait a minute. Joseph is in prison, and God shows up. That God is there even though we may feel like we're in prison, but we have to persevere through that breaking point. Maybe God is breaking us. Maybe he's doing something in us. Yeah, but I have these dreams. It's not being accomplished. It's not, it's not working out how I want it to. Well, we're only partway of why we have these dreams. In the meantime, Pharaoh has his chief butler and his chief baker I don't know what they did, but apparently they did something wrong. Now, Pharaoh is angry with them and throws them in prison, same prison that Joseph is in. And I thought, what did they do? What could a butler do and a baker do that would cause the owner of the house to be upset? Maybe they didn't cook him the right food. Maybe, maybe the rice wasn't cooked good and was, you know, a little bit BB, and so you, don't, you can't eat it or whatever it is. Maybe they didn't cook the right foods. Maybe they said something wrong. Maybe the wife came on to them and same thing. You, we don't know. All we know is that they were in the same prison as Joseph, and it's interesting that these two guys, the baker and the butler, both had dreams in prison. Now, one of their dreams was good, one was bad, but Joseph interprets their dreams but not only did these, these guys have dreams, Pharaoh had a dream, the king of Egypt. He has this dream of, of seven skinny cows and, and seven fat cows, and, and he's like, what are these dreams? What is this about? Well, because Joseph interprets the dreams for, these, for the baker and butler, they actually come out of prison because I guess the, the king, the Bible says, his anger subsided, so he brought them out. Who else can cook? So he brought them out of prison, and then... They say, hey, hey, I remember this guy, Joseph. You know, you have these dreams, so he may be able to interpret it. So Pharaoh brings Joseph out of prison, and then he shares his dream with Joseph. Pharaoh shares his dream with Joseph, and he tells him about this, the dream of the, the seven skinny cows and the dream of the seven fattened cows. And so Joseph says, well, you know what? There's going to be seven years of famine, and there's going to be seven years of great and plentiful grain. And so Pharaoh says, oh, wait, so, oh, that's good news then. We're going to have plenty. And Joseph says, ah, yes, yes, it's going to be great, but you're also going to have seven years of famine. The plan Joseph gave to Pharaoh was to save as much as possible during the years of plenty so that when the years of famine came, they would have enough grain. And so Pharaoh looked at that and he said, you know what? You have wisdom and you have the Spirit of God. That's why Pharaoh made him second in command. But Joseph had to persevere through those breaking points. He had to persevere through the pit and then the prison. 
but he still had some major challenges up ahead that he didn't even know about. Now, he's second in command. What kind of challenges would he have? Here's here's the second thing we learned from him. He had to deal with hurts and wounds. That's what he had to deal with. He had to deal with hurts and wounds. Now, you can deal with hurts and wounds from coworkers and acquaintances, but when it's your very own family, boy, that's tough. It's a hard thing to do. And in order for us to accomplish or maximize our God-given dream, we're going to need to deal with our hurts and wounds. Otherwise, we won't be 100%. Some months ago, I, I was playing basketball. I injured my hamstring, and it was a slight tear. And so I, I, I kind of let it heal a little bit. And two weeks later, I thought, oh, I felt good. And so I was playing, you know, just real lightly. And I thought, I'm just going to play real lightly. Well, I injured it again. And I was so angry. You know how you get mad? You, you're mad because you're hurt. Or you're mad because you're sick. Or like when your wife falls down. You do care about her, but you get mad because she fell. You think, what happened? I fell. Why? It was an accident. Like, we get mad. That's how I felt. I was upset because I was injured. Then it's like the Lord said, no, you didn't heal correctly. You felt good on the outside, but you still needed to heal on the inside. And so that second time I got injured, I said, I'm going to give myself six to eight weeks to heal, which I'm in my third week. I'm not really counting, but I'm around there, third week. And I thought, whenever we have an, a, a hurt or a wound, we got to heal from that. We don't just push it on the side and say, well, I'm good. I put on a happy face, listen to happy songs. Oh, I got paid, so I'm good now. I have money. No, there's a, there's, a, there's a wound and there's a hurt deep down inside. If not healed correctly, we'll tear again. Something will happen and we'll be reminded of that wound and that hurt and it will come up over and over again. We've got to heal 100%. Well, let's look at how Joseph deals with his hurts and his wounds. Genesis 42. Now, Joseph was governor over the land, and it was was he who sold to all the people of the land, and Joseph's brothers, his brothers, came and bowed down before him with their faces to the earth. Joseph saw his brothers and recognized them. Now, what would you do? You were in the position of doing anything. That now here, here are the very people who betrayed you, slandered you, beat you, sold you into slavery. Now Joseph recognized his brothers, but he acted as a stranger to them and spoke roughly to them. Then he said, well, <clears throat> where do you come from? Where do you come from? And they said, oh, from the land of Canaan to buy food. So Joseph recognized his brothers, but they did not recognize him. Now, years have gone by. They figure, oh, he's dead or he's a slave. There's no way possible he's going to be second in command. And so they didn't even recognize him. Then Joseph remembered the dreams which he had dreamed about them and said to them, you are spies. You guys are spies. You have come to see the nakedness of the land. And his brothers are like, no, 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 hang on, no, no, we're not spies. We come from a distant land. We have a father. Uh, we have, and, and we have brothers. There was 12 of us. One is, I don't know what I don't want to mind, but we have, uh, we have some brothers. So, no, we're not spies. We came to buy some food. And so they're in this awkward position. In the meantime, Joseph is trying to deal with his hurt and his pain. He's like an emotional wreck right now. He's trying to deal with this stuff, his past, the hurt, the pain, even though he's in this high place. Some of us think 
you know, if I can just get my spouse to change or if I, if I can get my children to change or if I can get so-and-so to be like this or if I can get that job, position, whatever it would be, more, if I can get more, then maybe I could accomplish my dreams and then I would be happy. But that strategy does not work. Joseph tried doing that. He tried everything that he could think of. Genesis 45, it continues, then Joseph could not restrain himself before all those who stood by him, and he cried out. He says, make everyone go out from me. So no one stood with him while Joseph made himself known to his brothers, and he wept aloud. And the Egyptians and the house of Pharaoh heard it. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Does my father still live? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed in his presence. I mean, what would you do? What would you do? I mean, years before, you beat up your brother because he was a dreamer and he had all these dreams. You beat him up, threw him in the pit and said, wait a minute, let's sell him into slavery. And then you don't even think about him. So he's actually gone from your memory. You're not even worried about him. And then now this second-in-command in Egypt says... I am your brother. I mean, can you think of the fear that they had and what they were probably thinking, like, okay, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? But then Joseph said to his brothers, I love this part. He says, come, come, come near to me. Come near to me. Heidi will once in a while, like, when I make trouble to Heidi, you know, I just play around, make trouble. She'll say, come, 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 give me a hug, give me a hug. And she'll pinch me. She'll pinch me or she'll give me like a rib shot. Real nice, no abuse, but just real, you know, just to play around. And, and I'm wondering, I wonder if Joseph, when he says, please come near to me. Come, come near, come, come close. Come, 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 come a little closer, come. And his brothers are like, go. All of us, let's go, come on. Come on, come on, let's go. It's our brother, come on, let's go. And I'm wondering if they're thinking, what if we get close and, just, and then Joseph just slits our neck. Gets a blow dart, right in our neck, sleep, and then we die. Well, I don't know what, they, they don't know what to do. But then he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold, you sold into Egypt. Like, I'm wondering if his brothers were playing the, wait, who are you? And Joseph said, I'm your brother. Remember the one you sold into Egypt, not the one that you grew up with, not the one that, oh, we had, we had fun together, not the one who my dad favored, not the one who, remember we used to play, we used to build stuff, we grew up together, remember down the road, none of that, not, not like that. He said, the one you sold into Egypt, now the brothers, they're stuck. How are they going to deal with this? How are they going to deal with Joseph when now he's telling them, this is where I am right now in life? And I want to know where you are in life. Joseph is trying to deal with his past, his wounds, and his hurt. And it can seem like all is going well. But when you deal with your hurts and wounds, we've got to remember that we're not in this alone, that the Lord was with Joseph. And so Joseph, along the way, even dealing with his emotional hurts and wounds and and all the scars that he has, he did this. Number three, every step of the way, grow where you're positioned. That's what he was able to do. Every step of the way, every obstacle 
that Joseph encountered, he grew where he was positioned. Wherever he was, he grew. Well, how can I grow where I'm positioned? It's not easy to deal with what I'm going through. No, let's look at Joseph. Let's look at what he did and why that was possible. And here it is. The Lord was with Joseph. You can even put your name in there. And in fact, we can say our names out loud. When I, when I read this, don't say Joseph, say your name. The Lord was with Sheldon. When you understand that the Lord is with you, then you become successful. Not because of us, but because of him. The Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. Then he made him overseer of his house, and all that he had he put under his authority. And so it was from that time that he had made him overseer of his house and all that he had that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. In other words, when, when the Lord is with you and when you're blessed by God, so will everyone else be around you. And Joseph was able to grow where he was positioned. He was a slave in that man's house, but he was able to glorify God in that position that he was in. See, before Joseph prospered as the second in command, he was first successful in his master's house as a slave. And before we can become successful in any other area, we have to grow wherever we're positioned. If not, our dreams will only be a dream. It will only be about the dream and it will only be about us. But you must be bold enough to learn and grow where you're positioned because God very well might be doing something that you cannot see where you're positioned right now. And you're going to need that. And if you look at Joseph's life, and in God's providence, he could see from beginning to end. And he can see from beginning to end in our lives what God is doing in you is not about you. It's about what God is doing through you, not to you. Because many of us will end right there. Oh, God did this to me. God did that. God, no, no, no. Although there are breaking points and although we're going to have to deal with our hurts, grow where you're positioned. Grow where you are right now. That, that it, right now in the season that you're in, that God is going to do something through you. So here's where we come to. Number four, choose to become better, not bitter. Choose to become better. Be better. Some people are bitter at other people. They're bitter at, a, at a, a, a family member. They're bitter at the church. They're bitter at their, their jobs, their coworkers. They're bitter. And they stay that way. If you choose to be bitter, you can never get better. You think you can, but it'll always be there. Choose to be better, not bitter. And Joseph had a bold dream. He shared it with his brothers, but he persevered through the breaking points, dealt with his hurt and pain, grew wherever his position. Because of that, here's the result. But now, Genesis 45, 5, do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here, for God sent me before you to preserve life. 
Talk about a changed perspective. Now, you might be thinking, well, there's no way I would be able to be that kind. I, there's no way. If my family members came up to me and they said, oh, yeah, we sold you into slavery, but so how's it going? How, how's your family? How are things? No, you, you, you hurt me. You betrayed me. You said these things. You weren't there for me. You stole from me. You did all these things, and now you expect me to be kind to you? Choose to become better, not bitter. Don't become what you despised. And Joseph teaches us that. Joseph is now second in command. But it didn't start off that way. Did you know that Joseph was 17 years old when he had this dream? 17 years old. Became second in command at age 30. And then, when the famine hit, was able to save the people at age 39. 22 years later, his dream is being fulfilled. 22 years. Are you willing to wait that long for God to fulfill your dreams? Because the dream is not about you. It's more than that. God sees so much more than we do. 22 years. You might be praying for someone. You're saying, oh, I'm praying for my son, praying for my daughter, praying for my husband, praying for my wife, praying for my coworkers, praying for my family. I've been praying for 15 years. Well, you got seven more to go. I'm not saying it's going to happen in 22 years. It could take 50 years. Some people, there's just a hard crust around them that it takes that long for the Lord to break through. But when he breaks through, it's the most beautiful thing. And that's what Joseph was experiencing right now. And I thought his, his elevation, Joseph's rise and elevation was for the nation of Israel's preservation. That's what the Bible tells us. Genesis 50. Then his brothers also went and fell down before his face and said, Behold, we are your servants. Joseph said to them, Do not, do not be afraid, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. It may not have been for Joseph's good because it wasn't good for Joseph being in prison, beaten up, thrown in the pit. You might be thinking, it doesn't feel good. Well, it may not be good for you right now, but when God works all things together for good, it reminds us that we're called according to his purpose and that we love God he can work it all together for good. Oh, it may not feel good, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. Therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Hard to do. Hard to do. Oh, we have bold dreams. I mean, we feel like, oh, our dreams are being squashed by other people or by my situation. And, but Joseph, he became better, not bitter. And he was able to be a kind man. Not a bitter man, a kind man. To the very ones who betrayed him. Are you able to get to that point and grow to the point where the very person who betrayed you you're able to serve them. Talk about a changed life, a changed heart. Only God can do something like that. Joseph couldn't see that the beginning, 
that in the beginning, what his dream meant. He, he couldn't fathom. But now he's being used by God to fulfill his dream. It sounds like a happy ending. But it didn't start out that way. It kind of starts off in a weird way. And I want to rewind us to the beginning so that this all makes sense. In Genesis 37, I'll read it. Now, J- now Jacob dwelt in the land where his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. This is the history of Jacob. Now Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brothers, and the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph, by the way, just because he had wives doesn't mean it was okay. And Joseph brought a bad report of them to his father. Now Jacob, or who we know as Israel, remember he had that name change, Jacob loved Joseph more than all his children. Joseph is Jacob's son, Israel's son, because he was the son of his old age. He also made him a tunic of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Now Joseph had a dream, and he told it to his brothers, and they hated him even more. So he said to them, now we're, we're about to reveal, or he's about to reveal what his dream was was. He says, please hear this dream which I have dreamed. He's 17 years old now, 17. Please hear this dream. There we were, binding sheaves in the field. It's like his brothers are like, yes, yes. And then behold, my sheaf arose and also stood upright. And indeed, yes, yes, your sheaves, yes, we have sheaves, yep. They all stood around, all cool, and bowed down to my sheaf. What? His brother said to him, shall you indeed reign over us or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Then he dreamed still another dream and told it to his brothers and said, look, I have dreamed another dream. This time, the sun, the moon, and the 11 stars bowed down to me. Can you believe that? Look at this dream. It's all about me. It's all about me. The dream's all about me. So he told this, to his, he told this dream to his father. And his brothers, and his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream you have dreamed? Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come to bow down to the earth before you? And his brothers envied him, but his father kept the matter in mind. In the beginning, the dream is always about us, isn't it? It's about what we can do, what we can accomplish. But what does Jacob have to do with Joseph's dream. Why is Jacob even included in this? Just because he's his father? Watch this. Jacob, who we know as Israel, who birthed the nation of, the nation of Israel. This is where it comes from. Jacob has a son. His name is Judah. Judah has a son, Perez. Perez has a son, Hezron. Hezron has a son, Ram. Ram has a son, Aminadab. Aminadab has a son, Nashon. Nashon has a son, Salmon. Salmon has a son, Boaz. Boaz has a son by the name of Obed. Obed has a son by the name of Jesse. Jesse has a son by the name of David, who's a man after God's own heart. 28 generations later, guess who's born? Jesus. 28 generations later, Joseph's dreams was not about him. That in, in God's 
plan. It was to preserve the seed that would take care of all the sins of the world. Joseph himself said that God has sent me. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good to preserve life. You know what life he's talking about? Our Savior. Can you see how important our dreams are? Your dreams are not about you. Your dreams are about Jesus. It's to preserve life. It's, it's to save many people alive. Yeah, but my dream is not that valuable. It's not important. No, the dream in itself is not. But when Jesus is included in it, oh, it changes the game. It changes everything about our dreams. That's what it means to dream a bold dream that he would do exceedingly abundantly more than we could possibly ever imagine or think of. And it's the power of work in us. It's not our power, it's his. Imagine, if Joseph did not rise to that position, the famine in the land would have killed the nation of Israel. More important, it would have killed his brother Judah, who was the son of Jacob. And from Judah comes Jesus Christ, that lineage. You might have said, oh, God would have done something else. No, this is exactly how God did it. The dreams that God has given to you and I are far more important than you and I. Not because we're less valuable, but because he will be glorified in and through us. The dream that he put in our hearts is not to accomplish the dream. It's to pursue him. And in the process of pursuing him, there's a process we go through so that we are now able to come from the pit, the prison, and enter his palace. He gives us the dreams. Now, Joseph, in, his, in this story, it's like, wow, he, he lived to a, a great age and he was able to accomplish many things. But what, what does Jesus have to do with what Joseph went through? Well, think about it. Joseph went to the pit. He was beaten. He was sold into slavery. People mocked him. But Jesus went through it all. He was beaten. He was bruised. He was crucified. He was mocked. He was buried in a grave, but then rose again. Here's why. And it was through the book of Isaiah. But because of our sins, he was wounded, beaten because of the evil we did. We are healed by the punishment he suffered made whole by the blows he received. Listen, if you're ever going to catch anything this morning, let it be this. In everything we want to accomplish, let it not be the goal, but let the goal be Jesus Christ. Let that be the main goal, that our relationship with Jesus Christ is built. Grow through your dreams to Christ. Because it's in that that God sees everything from beginning to end and he says, I can accomplish these dreams because it glorifies me. It's not the power that works in us by ourselves; It's the power that comes from Jesus Christ. Dream your bold dream. Dream your bold dream. And let Jesus do the rest. Amen. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray? 
Lord, we can accomplish our dreams by ourselves, or we can say, we need you. The bold dreams that we have can only be accomplished through the power that is in you. Help us, Lord, today as we dream, as we leave here today, that we would remember that you see everything from beginning to end, that what happens to us is not the end in itself, but what you're doing through us. Help us to be people that persevere through breaking points, that we would deal with our hurts and our wounds with you. You were beaten. You were, you were wounded so that we could be healed by you, that we would grow wherever we're positioned, that we would look forward to what you're going to do, that we would become better and not bitter because of the joy that you give to us. We ask for forgiveness of our sins and give us the strength, Lord, to forgive those who have sinned against us. Help us to be a kind person because you've healed us. Let us treat people how you have treated us. And if you're saying, Lord, I, that's me, I want to be more like the person you see me to be, and then I receive this word from you today, would you just lift a hand? And you're just responding, saying, Lord, I receive this today. Good, many of us. Lord, we... We receive your word today. You can put your hand down. So I pray for all of us, Lord, as we head out these doors, that we become the people you made us to be, that we would become better, not bitter, that we would glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray, and we all said, amen.